This is Joe Basso with Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm sitting backstage with Tori Castellano, the drummer for the Donnas. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Let's just go back to the beginning here okay. at first. Uh, the band formed in the eighth grade to play a school gig. Yes. Did any of you play an instrument before that? Um, well, I think, I mean, you know, in about fourth grade, you kind of play some instruments, and Allison, um, our guitar player, and I, we would play um, violin together, and so that was something, but really, I mean, I, I, about six months before we started the band, actually, Allison started playing guitar, and Maya started playing bass, and so they would just kind of play together, but they didn't really have, like, a band, it was just, you know, getting, getting to know the instrument or whatever, and then um, the lunchtime show came about, and it was kind of the cool thing when we were um, in eighth grade for, you know, the guys in our class to be in bands, so the school decided to, like, have this lunchtime show so that they, all these guys and their bands had, you know, had a place to play, so then, um, you know, Allison and Maya were like, well, we should have a band, why can't, you know, why can't we do this too, and so they knew that I had always wanted to play the drums, I don't know why, I just always was kind of drawn to that instrument, but I had never played it before, and they thought Brett kind of had the balls to sing, <laughs> to sing in front of our whole school and whatever, so, um, so they asked us, and about a month before the show, we just kind of got together and I had like a rented drum set and we had really crappy equipment and we learned four cover songs and we just practiced really all the time because we didn't want to mess up at all because we were all, once the guys found out that we were, you know, going to play, it just like the constant teasing started just like <laughs> girls can't play. You're going to play. You have a drum set. There were all these crazy rumors like that. Like instead of having a kick drum pedal, I'd just kick the bass drum oh, and great. stuff like that. So, I mean, so we were like, okay, we got to like prove, you know, prove them wrong that like we can actually play. And, you know, we were actually pretty tight, I think for the amount of time we had played <laughs> up till then. What was the uh, reaction at the actual gig? Well, you know, I think a lot of people were pretty, you know, there were some snickers and stuff. I mean, the teachers were very kind, and I think a couple of our parents snuck in, um, even though we like were like, you can never come to our shows. That'd be just like so embarrassing. But I think that they like stood in the back and were like, oh, that's cool. Um, but a couple of the guys that actually played in the bands, um, like when they weren't around, all their other friends came up and were like, you know, you guys were okay, I guess. You know what I mean? I, I think they, like... They were um, way more, like, jammy. The, right. Their bands, they were, like, into just, like, you know, probably getting stoned and just, like, jamming, like, on, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit for, like, ten minutes with no vocals. That actually was one of the bands. And, um, <laughs> and so I think they were kind of impressed that we actually, like, had structured songs and stuff. Right. And I don't think they knew the songs, so I think they thought we... Uh, some of them thought we wrote them because they wow. were, like, a Muff song and a Shonen Knife song and an L7 song, and they weren't listening to those bands, so they were like, wow... You know, but they they would not, you know, say that out loud in front of their friends. I don't think. Did you have any drumming influences at this time? Yeah, I mean, I well, I definitely was obsessed with Metallica at the time, so okay. I, I wanted to be Lars. I just thought, you know, you know, the way he flipped his hair and like, you know, just that he was like getting into it, like physically, like his whole body. And I L seven was a huge influence of ours. So Deep Locas, I just thought she was so cool because. You know, right when we started, we would we were going to lots of shows even before before we started the band. And so when we started the band, and you know, people 
started saying, oh, girls can't play and whatever, we would go to L7 shows and, like, Bikini Kill shows. You know, I love Toby Vale from Bikini Kill. And, and we, I would just watch these, you know, women who were just, like, totally playing and, like, were tougher than any boy at our school. And so it just made me feel like, you know, I can do this, too. They can do it. I can do it, you know. So that was just really inspiring. Did the band members improve at the same pace? Were there growing pains with you guys <laughs> learning your instruments and learning how to be a band? Um, you know, I think, actually, I think we've been really lucky that we've all kind of grown at the same pace. I, I mean, I definitely feel like we inspire each other, too. I mean, all we would do, there wasn't really much to do in Palo Alto where we were growing up. So every day after school, we would walk home to my house. We would eat some snacks. We would go to my parents' garage, and we would just practice for hours on end, you know, just forever. Of course, we would, like, talk to, like, gossip about what's going on at school and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I think that, like, you know, we always all really wanted to be a very tight band. We didn't want to mess up ever. Right. We really wanted to be good. That was, like, just really instilled in us. Like, I mean, I'm sure, like, a, a lot of bands feel that way, but I think we felt even more like we had something to prove I guess so you know you never want to be the one that messes up and like ruins the show or whatever <laughs> ruins the song so I think that all those endless practices really helped us because none of us really had that many lessons or anything so that was kind of how we learned as you guys were coming up and starting to play some real gigs did you feel that you were being treated differently because you're a female band yeah, I have to say yes. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, even when we were playing, like, there was a guy that worked for the city of Palo Alto that would put on shows at community centers, um, you know, for the teenagers to play and their bands and stuff. And he even, like, after, we, you'd have to come to a meeting to show that, you know, you were serious and stuff. So you, we would all go to the meetings and, you know, none of the boys wanted to sit next to us. But then after the meeting, <laughs> one night he, like, was like, hey, girls come here for a second wait around and we were like okay and he's like you guys are gonna go really far and we're like really wow and he's like yeah you have a great gimmick you're girls and it was just like that's not something we can change you know what I mean this is not like something we decided so it it really was always there you know what I mean it was always like they're a girl band it was never they're a rock band or this or that you know and sometimes it gets to us and a lot of times we can just brush it off because we were kind of used to it when you were still in high school you guys did a tour of japan yes what was that like was it scary it was crazy it we were so amazed because you know we had recorded just like two or three i think seven inches with our friend and the the covers were xeroxed at the mailboxes, etc., where he worked, wow. and actually we recorded them in the mailboxes, etc., after hours. So it was like you know we were like, wow, this is cool that we have a record even. And then to find out that they were being sold in Japan and that they were you know like five hundred copies or a thousand copies had been sold in Japan, we were just like it boggled our mind, you know, because we we had never toured really and we were still just you know we would play a show like every four months or something. <laughs> And so then when this guy that owned, this guy Pinky, he owned a record store in Japan, he like called us up and was like, I want to bring you over to Japan, you know? And so we, we were like, okay. So we went and we took some time off school, just like a week or two weeks or something. And it was like amazing. We played four shows and... 
and I mean it was really like bare bones touring because like we stayed at a friend's house of the you know the guy that brought us over and um, you know we had this it was winter time so we all put our feet under this like heated table and we mm-hmm. stepped in slept in sleeping bags and stuff like that and then we played our shows and people were actually singing along to the songs and it was just like so crazy what was your parents reactions at this time were they scared about their little babies going off and being in a down and dirty rock band and stuff you know i think we were pretty lucky because like our parents have always been really supportive of us they always have snuck into our shows and you know always been really excited about our songs and what we're doing and we had a friend um an older guy actually who um they met and they had known for a while that actually went over with us and so I think that because he was there they felt a lot more comfortable and we always were pretty good like we got good grades and you know everything like that I think that if we were like messing up in school and like you know not following the rules or whatever then they probably would have like freaked out a little bit more but I think they were just excited that we had found something we really liked to do but because you got good grades, were they were they frightened that like oh you're blowing your chance at college and well yeah we all got into really good schools actually okay <laughs> so um, I think that made them happy but then right before we were all going to go off to college like we were totally enrolled in everything um, we got offered to do a record on Lookout Records right. and so we were like um, we're going to take off a year and go on tour and I think they were a little apprehensive but I mean they met everyone at Lookout and I think that they really felt like this was kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity that you can't really go back and do after you do school and we always were like oh yeah we'll go back to school and you know we really thought that at the time because like who knew what was going to happen and then just one year turned into two years and then it turned into three years and then finally we had to like I had to call NYU and be like I'm really not coming ever and so um, you know I think that you know someday maybe we could go back or start learning again or whatever but I think that they're just really proud of us early on you guys were lumped in with the punk scene but did you ever see your band as punk um we never really saw our band as punk and I mean I think that it was because you know we were on lookout and we toured with some lookout bands when we were first starting out and also I mean we kind of had in a sense like kind of a punk sensibility where it's like none of us took lessons and you can just pick up you know your crappy equipment and just play and like I like that you know sensibility and you know we were a garage band but I feel like our music wasn't really punk and we've never really thought of ourselves as punk so I don't know talk to me about the uh, the gold metal album okay uh, you guys started with that album to use your surnames as opposed oh, yeah. to being, you know, Tori C. You know. Oh, yeah, Donna C. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we always had, you know, we never were really secretive about our real names. We, you know, people usually knew them, like our fans and stuff. And I think in other records we had, like, kind of both names and stuff. Um, but with that one, it just felt like, you know, the Donna names were kind of a joke that we made up when we were, like, 16 years old and it's stuck and I mean we're not like oh my god if you call me Donna I'm gonna like kick your ass or something you know it, it's just it just felt kind of like okay with this record some of the songs are a little more serious so we'll just we'll just try this out you know and we just did it last year you released uh, the album Bitchin on your own Purple Feather label 
What's it been like going from an indie to a major, and now you're on an in, your own indie? Right. What's that been like for you? Um, I think it's really exciting because and we loved being on Lookout, and we learned so much. And I mean, I'm really glad we stayed on Lookout for as long as we did. Because even during our first like touring cycle with our first record on Lookout, we had opportunities. Um, to go on a major, but I'm really happy that we kind of developed our sound and our audience and everything, and then we went on Atlantic, and that was really great too, and I mean, I think we learned even more on Atlantic, and I, I really feel like, you know, I feel like that was really necessary to get like the name recognition that we have and we got to we got all these amazing opportunities like playing SNL and like, you know, all the late night shows and I mean, it was really exciting. Um, but I think that now with the way the music industry is, it's really it's it's really hard to be on a major label nowadays and I think it's really hard to run a major label. Like I don't envy them at all. And I think that it, it's just such a crazy time that it just felt like it, it didn't feel like the right place for us anymore. So, you know, when we left, we, we actually met with other majors and we thought about maybe we should go on a different major, but it just feels like they're all kind of going through the same thing. So when we finally were thinking like, oh, should we go on an indie? Uh, I don't know. And then we the idea of making our own label came up and at first it was kind of a joke, like we should just make our own label. But then like the more we researched it and like saw what you know, distribution companies actually do, which is a lot of what the label does. I mean, they do, you know, they, they gave us money for a video. They, you know, they do a bunch of things that are, you know, Atlantic and Lookout did. And so we just thought we have so much knowledge now. I think, you know, I think we can do it. So it's been really great. Now, a few years ago, you developed a very serious uh, situation, uh, tendonitis in your wrists. Yeah. And this was from holding your sticks wrong. Yeah. How exactly were you holding them? Um, well, basically, after I had the surgery, I went to physical therapy, and I they were like, okay, we want to see how you hold your sticks. So I, I held them like I used to hold them, and, and they're like, oh, my God, that's the grip of death. And, like, I just was holding them so tight because I didn't ever want to drop a stick, you know? And, I mean, I don't know. So... When you hold, you know, your stick so tight, then it just, all of the, you know, tension goes all the way through your wrist and up your arms and everything, and it can just cause tons of problems. So after I was in physical therapy for a while, I went to this guy, Chuck Brown, who's in the Bay Area, and he's helped a lot of drummers who have had, you know, problems with their hands and their wrists, and he taught me a whole other technique where you, you really are very loose, and it's, you know, it's called tension release and you you know you let the stick do the work you just let it bounce off the you know off the uh, snare drum and so that really helps <laughs> um so I I mean I'm actually I think I'm a better drummer now than I was before because since I'm looser I'm able to do so many more things now you had actual surgery yes to correct this problem were you worried at the time that you might not be able to drum again? I was, actually, because um, when I went in to get the surgery, I mean, my surgeon was awesome, and he, you know, he was like, I think you should be able to play again in, like, six weeks. And I was like, oh, awesome. So we kind of were like, okay, we were going to start writing gold medal, and so... Um, you know, I was like, okay, in six weeks I'll be able to start writing. And that just turned into six months. And so it just took so much longer to recuperate that I started to get really freaked out. Like, what if 
you know, I can never play the drums again. What if I can never, because I just, when I first started playing again, I just hit so lightly on my snare and like, you need to hit hard on your snare drum. And I just was like, oh my God, what if I just can never hit hard again? This would just be a disaster. And I think at the time I couldn't even let myself go there because I was just like, I have to get better. I just have to. And now looking back on it, I realize how frightened I was. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, everything worked out. I just had to have patience and it I'm so glad it did. What has there been any reoccurrence of it? The problem? No, you know, actually I had some I, I had the surgery on my left wrist and at the time I also had some tendonitis in my right wrist, but because of the different technique and stretches I do now and icing and all these things that I do, like I don't have problems in either wrist now and I just I'm so happy. What um what advice would you ha- have for any young drummers who are picking up the the sticks to uh, avoid this problem? Well, I really think that, um, you know, I I still like the idea of people just picking up instruments and just playing. And I I mean, I I don't want to feel like you have to take lessons and, you know, to be able to play an instrument. I don't feel that way. But, you know, we toured like... 13 or 14 months for spend the night and we were playing so often and I was playing wrong all that time and I think that that's part of it um, and I also think I played through the pain a lot you know I had pain in my wrist for a long time wow. before I got the surgery and so I think that that's something that I would say is that if you really start to hurt like sharp pains I'm not talking about like you know you're sore or whatever sharp pains I think then that's when you really need to like take it seriously now you play pearl drums yes what what do you like exactly about pearl drums um they've just been really great to me and I oh you know my first when I went and I you know actually bought my first drum set it was a pearl drum set and I loved it it was a session select kit and (laughs) I just have always really loved pearl and I just think they make really great sounding big rock drums and that's what I want, you know. You have a style of playing. You 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 favor your floor tom a lot. Yes, I do like the floor tom. And you certainly like your cowbell a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did this whole uh, approach come out? Um. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, when you play the drums, it's like you're always playing, you know, a beat and stuff. You're usually... And so you have, you know, your hi-hat and you have your ride and you have your crashes. But it's like you also want to be able to add different sounds and I think that the floor tom is great like tom beats are really driving I feel like and so that can be really exciting for like when we're playing a song that needs that and then I think the cowbell I just love the way they sound I just I, I love to have something else to play a beat on not just like the hi-hat or the ride I love right. those two but you know I think it's nice when you have variety how long do you see the band going I mean you know have you guys had discussions about what happens when one of you or a few of you get married and <laughs> have kids? Or are you going to well, keep the band going? I don't think any of us are ready for that right now, or especially kids. I think, like, you know, when we talk about that, I mean, not that we really ever talk about it seriously, but when people bring it up, like, in interviews, we just kind of laugh, and we don't feel like we're ready for that at all. But, I mean, you know, in May, we're having our 15th anniversary, and, I mean, wow. I can't believe it's been that long. It's more than a half of our lives. And, I mean, I really would love it if we could just keep going, you know, I mean, obviously, like I'm not saying we're the Rolling Stones or whatever, whatever. But I love how the Rolling Stones just keep playing because they just—I mean—they don't need to. They have enough money, and you know, they. But they obviously love it, and so I mean, I think it would be great to have an all, 
you know, female band out there that can, you know, stand the test of time and stuff. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been great. Yes, it was fun. And uh, this is Joe Basso with Music Radar. I've been speaking with Tori Castellano from the Donnas. And uh, again, thank you very much. Thanks, man.